welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, Mama Bird here and host of this amazing show, which really should just be called Priscilla and Friends, because once again, I have a friend with me, Christian Alama. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be in the nest, I guess. <laughs> I think it was 2016 when we first met. We met in Chicago. I don't know if you remember. I won't put you on the spot too much, but we met at an Insights Marketing Day. Do you recall that? I remember. That? I yeah. do. I think I uh, presented a session did. on story at the time, and that was, I think, the last event I did before I launched my own business. Oh, yeah, I totally remember talking about that because I was so excited you were going to go off and do Threadline. So let's start with that. So yeah. Christian Alama is the founder and CEO of Threadline. This is such an amazing business. It's a market research and brand strategy agency. And it really is built on the principles of this narrative psychology that we're going to talk about. But it brings narrative psychology, consumer identity, and behavioral economics together so that he can help clients build better relationships with their audience. And when I think about our name, Little Bird Marketing, when we named ourselves that, it was this idea that we wanted to have these clients who had a close and intimate relationship with their clients. And I feel like even the name Threadline, kind of like, what's the thread that comes through it all? It's such a cool synergy of the names. Well, thank you. Yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about that name. And so it's I always love hearing the stories of other names. And that was one of the requirements that I had when we were naming the business was, can I tell a story about it? And for us, when we named it, it was about identifying that story thread that connects businesses and customers together and had a sort of mock tagline in my head at the very beginning of the company, which was the shortest distance between a business and its most loyal customers is a story. And that's the thread line. That's That sort of is, is what we focus on. And so that's what we try to help clients both identify and figure out and sort of explore. And it really sort of was built out of Oh, goodness. I think I entered the insights industry probably almost 20 years ago now. And I remember I was interviewing at an agency that also did sort of emotional insights work. And the CEO at the time asked me sort of what I thought about branding. And for me, I said I had been debating and trying to understand how a business that has thousands of employees and each of those employees representing a brand and each of those employees having contacts with perhaps hundreds of customers at any given time, things like that, how they build a relationship that's like the mom and pop relationship that you used to see on Main Street, where they know everyone and they build those sorts of connections and those loyalties. And so it dawned on me that really sort of marketing is a social science. Marketing is interpersonal relationships. Marketing is sort of all of that goes into how we create these ties and these bonds between other people in our lives. Essentially, marketing is about doing the same thing, but with a business. And so- well, 100%. And as a cultural anthropologist, I got to say, it is such an interesting way to come at marketing because we know that we're doing nothing but exchanging agreed upon meanings and implicit feelings and understand. There's just this exchange that's going on kind of quietly, not necessarily in our words. It's so much yeah. deeper. But yeah. I have to say, you're talking about this from the perspective of psychology primarily. Now, Dr. Christian Alamoff, we're going to get really specific. I only make but, my kids call me that. It's okay. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. We're going to talk a little, I'm going to talk about your kids here in just a minute. Hold the phone. (laughs) But if you are on a plane and they need a doctor, please don't raise your hand, Christian. I don't, I don't mean I can help with a emotional crisis, maybe a marketing crisis, maybe, but if you have a health crisis, I'm not the doctor to call. I have not been on a plane yet where they say, is there a psychologist on the plane? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, I need, I need a branding should. expert immediately, <laughs> immediately. at row 32. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Brand cleanup, aisle 32. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So just a funny story. I am going to just give a shout out to your kids because we are going to talk today about your book that just came out. I'm so, I'm so proud to be your friend. I'm so proud to see you get this done because I saw it happening years ago. And I hope that along the way, I encourage encouraged you to keep going because it sounded so interesting to me. And I love your perspective, but I loved on LinkedIn, you posted some congratulations cards from your kids. Tell us about that story. (laughs) Absolutely. So the book launch was May 25th and the morning of, and this was a school day. It was a Thursday morning and my wife and the kids got up early, although they had done, I guess, some work beforehand. I didn't realize it, but, and so when I came downstairs in the morning to start getting breakfast and helping getting the kids out the door and all that kind of stuff, there was a, basically a mini launch party had happened that morning in the dining room. And so my daughter had drawn a sort of poster with a sort of mock book cover calling me the best author in the world. And my son (laughs) had drawn or sort of illustrated like a book promo poster and things like that. And it was just really sort of fantastic to see. And we bring them into just about everything in our lives as as parents. And so they knew about the book. They were hearing about the book. They each got a signed copy of the book personalized to them, things like that. So it was really lovely to see. And the reason I do it, essentially. And so it was really heartwarming. And I still have the poster my daughter's poster is behind me and my son's poster is here next to me at my desk. But I love it. I yeah. <laughs> just like it made me laugh. It made me cry. I was just like, <laughs> this is so cool. And our kids can be such critics at time. And yet to see them celebrate that we've yeah. done is is so cool. But so we're gonna talk a little bit about this amazing book, but I kind of want to start with a pretty hard-hitting question for you. And that is this idea of story. So we're gonna get let's hold the phone just one second on the book. But this big question is you talk about story and narratives. And I know that you talk about them being some subconscious, some conscious, like we Mm -hmm. all have these stories to tell. And this ideal that you have of grabbing these stories and really making that the thread line. But my biggest question is, how can you think about all of these micro stories, something so singular to individuals, and then think about applying those singular stories and wrapping them all up So I guess my question is, is it really possible to apply narrative and a narrative approach to branding? Yeah, that is a really great question. And one that we hear from clients a lot and different marketers in regards to like, oh, if I'm just looking at my customer story, every customer has a different story. And that's very true. The way we think about it is I'm pushing for Webster's Dictionary to define narrative and story as two very different things. And the way we talk about it is the story is the thing that is told or expressed, right? That is sort of the expression of some idea. The narrative is the idea behind it all. When we think about it in that way, what we start to realize is there are sort of fewer narratives out in the world. There are these big ideas that exist like love always wins, right? That's sort of a narrative idea. But if you look at stories that express that big idea, such as Shrek, The Notebook, You've Got Mail, 
Each of those are very different stories about the same narrative. And so what we sort of try to help clients understand is you want to understand the stories in order to understand the bigger narrative. And that's where you fit in. That's where you can sort of really apply. And that's where you can really connect with your audiences at that sort of deeper or sort of bigger or or sort of narrative level. And so while there are thousands of stories, they all sort of essentially sort of merge into, right? Like, Joseph Campbell has said, like the hero's myth. There are these major sort of narratives that you can start to identify around your brand. And if you can tap into those, you can then allow your customers to express their version of that narrative in each of their individual stories. Oh, okay. I love this. So now let's take that really important premise and talk specifically about the book. So the book is called Start with the Story, Brand Building in a Narrative Economy. So let's start with unpacking that concept, you're talking about a narrative economy. So here we've talked about the idea of what is story and difference between story and narrative. And then why this book? Why now? Like, why would you say that we are in a narrative economy? What does that mean to you? Yeah. Just sort of rewind and touch back on just one quick thing that's related to that question, which is you were in fact the catalyst to get this book started. Uh, Not just an encouragement, (laughs) but you were like, Christian, the end of the year, you should get started. And I got started. And so now it's been a year or so later and and here we are. But I am a fantastic pest when it comes to encouraging people to do the thing they should do. (laughs) It's perfect. It's perfect. It's what I need for sure. The narrative economy, at the heart of narrative psychology is the concept that all of us are essentially managing this ongoing life story. And we create these stories, we build these stories, we reshape these stories. Sometimes we tell people these stories, not always, but we have this sort of running narrative in our minds about who we are and what we do. And We started to realize in doing both that work from a psychological perspective, and then also looking at just the world of marketing and the world of brands, is people are using the things that they purchase, the things that they consume, the organizations that they support to help shape those narratives. And more and more, what we realized is, I think there was a statistic a while back that was like the most photographed logo on Instagram is Starbucks because people are holding those cups in all of those Instagram photos, things like that. What we start to realize is that people aren't just purchasing Starbucks coffee because they want some caffeine. They're purchasing Starbucks coffee because it sort of integrates into some perception they have of themselves. Now, they may also not purchase Starbucks because of some narrative that they have for themselves. And they think, I'm going to go to the mom and pop shop. I'm going to go to this really sort of craft coffee store. And that's the narrative that they're trying to portray. And so what we see is people don't just purchase things because they fill a job, because they fill a need. They purchase things because they also help them create or reinforce or confirm stories stories they have about who they are. And that is sort of at the heart of the narrative economy is that we don't just purchase these things, we purchase the stories allow us to tell. And if we realize that and recognize that, then we can start to tap into not just what our product or our service does, but also the story that our customers can tell with that product or service. Okay. I'm going to give you a complete confessional moment. So I totally believe what you're saying. People constantly will tell you that they buy things logically. That is just utter bullshit. (laughs) Totally agree. (laughs) We are all such emotional buyers and we justify it with some logic. And then we, again, a story we might tell ourselves, but I remember probably 20 years ago, I bought the Volvo cross country and I can tell you the exact emotional moment when they got me, I looked at the big slick brochure 
And there was the cross country and it was this beautiful, like pewter color. And it was basically perched up on like some of the rocky cliffs around. It must've been somewhere around San Jose, like Northern California, Aptos, something beautiful. And the guy was coming up like from an early morning surf sesh and he had his board in his arm. He had his wetsuit still on and he was walking. You could see he was walking back up to his Volvo cross country that was on the top, like as if he would park there. Right. You know? Yeah. That's and where the parking the- lot is. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, it's California. There's nobody here. And there was nobody there but him in the morning, you know, and he had the roof rack. And I was just like, that's the car I want. I'm just like, and even in that moment, I'm like, oh, they so got me. Now, keep in mind, I don't surf. I don't live in Northern California. (laughs) And I also know that finding a parking spot in that kind of a situation in California is utter nonsense. And yeah, I bought brand new, the Volvo cross country. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's totally true. And you'll see different sort of extents to which these sort of purchases affect our stories, right? Cars are a really big one for a lot of folks. And depending on where you live and things like that too, where for me, I have a similar story with Volkswagen ad when they didn't even show the car driving. They showed a little boy in a Darth Vader suit and the dad in the kitchen who automatically turned on the car to make the boy think he used the force on it. And I was like, that's me. That's the dad I want to be right there. So yeah, so totally get it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So that's the big picture of it, but tell me a little bit more, let's go a little bit more granular. So how does a narrative approach actually elevate the insights that an organization can get from their studies? Because at the root of all of this, you are a market research company and you use that market research to fuel brand strategy, but weaving in that narrative psychology all along. So when you have clients coming to you, how do you really sell that narrative approach? And why do you think it is like that special something? Before we get too far, let's talk about this show's sponsor. Get ready for another amazing Insights Marketing Day with powerful, fun, engaging, and instructive speakers who are proven authorities in digital marketing and thought leadership. From social influencing to web, blogging to presenting with power, and learning to collaborate through it all, Insights Marketing Day covers a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to granular level micro actions so you leave informed and inspired. Each speaker will provide essential tips, actionable advice, and tools to improve your and your company's marketing. Join me, Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird at Little Bird Marketing, and our keynote, Ann Hanley of Marketing Profs, followed by crowd favorites, Andy Crestadina, Johanna Walker, and Dino DeLich. There will be meaningful networking, a marketing practitioner's panel, and besides delicious breakfast and lunch, we always deliver afternoon gelato. That all happens before we wrap things up with an amazing happy hour, gorgeous swag, and serious prizes. This is the most fun you'll have building your personal brand, marketing prowess, social influence, and game-changing skills for the digital age. Don't miss Insights Marketing Day this year in Chicago, September 28th. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com slash insights hyphen marketing hyphen day. It's a great question. And it's one I've thought about a lot. In the last, I think, 20 years, I've seen in the insights industry series of what 
I call revolutions that for me sort of very much paralleled when I was studying psychology, the sort of different psychological revolutions that we saw in regards to you began psychology very much with, to some degree, the sort of phrenology space, right? Where it was somewhat sort of made up, somewhat kind of misunderstood. And then you got into the really sort of behavioral approach where it was all about, it's not about emotions, it's about understanding what causes someone to do one thing versus another. And then we moved in sort of a cognitive revolution and we see a little bit more focus on their, the emotions. Now, in market research, I think we've seen the same thing where you started with this very sort of behavioral, sort of pure economic approach of ask them why they like something and then make something like that and see if they purchase it. And we started to see about probably 15 years ago at this point, this revolution towards a more sort of emotional understanding of the consumer. And you saw like fMRI being used to understand consumer behavior. You saw these new qualitative techniques being used, pulled out of the social sciences. And there was this deep sort of focus on the emotions. And I think that was an amazing thing for the market research industry to sort of go through is to have this focus and have people even talking about emotions now in marketing, things like that. And what I realized was, and having done that work, right, is that we would identify these really sort of deep emotions, like confidence or reassurance or safety or what have you, and and share them with our clients. But the problem is, if you focus as a brand on a single emotion, human beings are not singularly emotionally feeling people. They don't just always want reassurance. They don't just always want confidence. And so sort of finding that emotion sort of became like an anchor where you would become this emotional space. But if your consumer is moving through life and growing and changing, that emotion may not be relevant anymore. And that's when I started to realize in doing the work on narrative psychology was the real power of storytelling isn't that it sort of helps them sort of express ideas. In every story, there is the emotions, but not just one emotion. It's the full emotional range as they go through the story. There are relationships that they have and relationships to different people, to different roles, to different artifacts, different props, brands, whatever it is that may be part of that story. There's tensions and there's ways to address those tensions. You know, there's the full story arc. And so the narrative approach essentially sort of reveals so much more about the consumer through their stories. And it also does so in a way that's much more authentic. So rather than having them ask, tell me why you did something, which is a very difficult question for anyone to answer. Rather, we say, tell me about that experience. Tell me the story of when you were choosing to purchase this car or choosing to purchase whatever it might be. And in that, you hear this sort of richness and it enables them to sort of basically just recall a moment and tell about that moment rather than trying to sort of navigate the social dynamic of, does this person think I sound smart in answering this question? So it reveals so much, it sort of reduces the barriers that consumers have, essentially sort of helps us make sense of what's going on. And that's the real power of storytelling is stories are meaning-making machine. And so when we have someone tell us a story, the story may not be 100% accurate, but it is 100% true to the way that person makes sense of that moment or makes sense of that behavior or makes sense of that experience. So that's what we tell them. And then on the flip side of that is not only do you uncover those insights, but once you know those insights, your organization is more engaged by them because they're in they're just pre-packaged in sort of story form right off the bat. And you can then start to act on those stories by creating stories of your own as a brand that up align with or reinforce or support those stories as well. 
Okay, let's talk about that. So you talk about kind of using this information and using this approach, and I think even also just an appreciation for just how the human brain works, like in kind of backing up and seeing a much more expansive view of how people make decisions. Yeah. But having said that, then who is this book for? I know we're kind of talking about the most obvious marketers and brand managers, but who else is this book for? Yeah, it is sort of intentionally written for basically that person who's responsible for building a relationship with a customer. Now, that is in many large organizations, right? A brand manager, a marketer of some sorts. Insights professionals are part of that dynamic as well overall. But this may also be for that small business owner on my main street that is trying to sort of launch a new massage sort of business. And how do they build a relationship with those customers and try to understand those customers? And I have a lot of friends and startups that I mentor who will come to me and say, hey, how do we do this overall? And the first thing I'll say is you don't need a big dollars $100,000, $300,000 project to start applying this thing. You can start talking to your customers you have today, start listening to their stories. Don't just ask them what they like, ask them to tell you about the experience, ask them to walk you through the experience. And then when you start to see that, you'll start to reveal patterns that says, hey, maybe our lobby area should be redesigned to sort of match the sort of transition from the outside world into this more relaxing, calming massage space. Or maybe this sort of product needs to be rethought or repriced based on the relationship that we have with these customers and what they're looking for from us and things like that. So it's for any of those individuals. It is sort of intentionally written, of course, for that marketing person, but it was written ultimately to be accessible to anyone, to be usable by anyone, the tools, the frameworks. I tried to break them down and use examples that weren't just Apple, weren't just Nike, but were businesses of all different sizes and all different sort of industries. I love that. And I just think even business leaders that are even a little bit more removed from maybe their marketing really can gain from this. But one thing I was thinking too would be really helpful is if BizDev And sales teams read this as well, because when you think about, you have that one moment, sometimes you get such a tiny moment in being able to explain what your product or service does. And if you can start with the story, it can be such more powerful and more connected way to really stand out from the crowd. And so that obvious marketer insight person, maybe a little bit more analytical person, I think for me, like reading it, I was constantly feeling myself sitting back in my sales seat Mm, and going, oh, mm -hmm. this is exciting because I'm not now hawking aware that is identical to everybody else. I'm really showing this human across from me that I appreciate who they are. And I understand that their decision they're about to make is going to be largely an emotional one. And if I could help them through that journey and really tap into what they emotionally need to get done, then I could probably come out a winner and they could come out a winner. It is a little bit about co-creation when you respect someone at the very base that they're a human with stories to tell and things to get done. I think that respect also comes out. I hope more salespeople will. I hope so too. And you know, I'm glad you bring that up because the sales role is perhaps the most 
applied role of psychology. Marketers that are sitting in the office building brand plans, building sales plans, building marketing plans, things like that, they're working a little bit sort of in a theoretical space, which is we think this will work and we're going to measure and find out. When you're on a frontline role, when you're in a sales role, if you're in a customer service role, those sorts of things, you have to actually both understand the psychology of the individual and then act on that psychology. And so this, I think, does really sort of help them do that. There are ways in which there are sort of questions you can ask yourself about the person in front of you that are sort of included in the book to sort of understand, hey, this is someone who is looking for this type of story has come to us because they're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And if you're a great salesperson, if you're an empathetic salesperson, your next question isn't, how do I sell them this thing? Your next question is, how do I help them tell that story? And that is hopefully with your product, but the best salespeople help them just tell that story regardless of whether their product is involved or not. And that's how you start to build that real sort of deep sense of loyalty. And and that's, I think, kind of comes back around to the deeper sort of ethical or philosophical sort of position of the book, which is this sort of storytelling, this narrative approach will help you just like move product, certainly. It's, it's an effective technique, all that kind of stuff. But what I hope it that marketers use it for is to start sort of thinking about those sort of lifelong relationships they can build with customers. We hear that sort of concept of lifetime value of a customer. And I think a lot of organizations will sometimes really just focus on that next quarter and just sort of see that as a benchmark in the background that doesn't necessarily affect too much. But what the idea of this one is, is that when you focus on those stories, you're more likely to build the kind of loyalty that is lifelong, the kind of loyalty that is resilient to competitors, the kind of loyalty that you can rely on as an organization because they realize that they can rely on you as well. Mm. And that's sort of, I think, the kind of the deeper hope of marketers, salespeople, everyone that sort of is tangential to marketing recognizes the power and responsibility they have as marketers in the world to shape and influence and hopefully improve the world around us. Oh, I love that. I mean, we are creating our world as we put our work out there. And it's kind of like reminds me of the very last line of the mission. Do you remember this old movie? <laughs> it's like such total my favorite. But at the very <laughs> end, Robert De Niro, I mean, it's just a complete shit show down in South America with, mm -hmm. you know, the Portuguese versus the Spaniards and all this other kind of stuff. And I won't go into the whole movie, but there's a great line at the very end. And one guy says to the other ones, like, kind of like, just dude, this is just the way it is. It's like, and he says, thus is the world. And the guy replies back to him. He says, no, thus we have made it. Yeah. And I love this exactly idea of so. like marketers do have a responsibility with every piece of ad copy, with every push and pull that we put out there, we are creating our world and it does matter. Absolutely. <laughs> and I Absolutely. know this is why you and I are friends, because we do believe that our work every day does matter, how yeah. we treat people in the copy, how we position brands. And it's not just about money, which you and I both know that we're paid in order to drive revenue. And that's great. I'm not ashamed in any way of that. Yeah. But there are different ways to do that. And in this way, listening to people's story at the root of it is just foundationally wonderful to humans. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that balance of revenue in the moment versus revenue for a lifetime. And, and I think both can be successfully achieved. It's just whether or not you're expecting one at the cost of the other. Right. Um, well, you've proven that with your team time and time again from the major brands that you work with. And I just have to say, 
Christian, I'm so excited. I'm glad that I was a small part of pushing you to get this book out into the world. The world needs it, but you need to connect with Christian and I'm going to spell his name for you because it's a little different spelling. So I want you to be able to find him on LinkedIn, but it's Christian, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Aloma, A-L-O-M-A. L-O-M-A. That's yeah, right. I had to do that in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so, but definitely connect with them on LinkedIn. But I'm putting the show notes actual link to buy the book. It's on Kindle, which always a fave, or you can get the hardback or paperback. And I'm sure if you connect with him online and you're really, really nice, he'll probably sign a copy for you. <laughs> so. Be happy to. And recording an audiobook version as well soon. So oh, okay. for well, that too. I'm really excited. I was going to ask you about that because I actually, after I've read a book, a lot of times, like maybe two or three months later, I do like to listen to it again. But I'm not ready to read it again, but just having it on and kind of background, especially something like this, it's so foundational to what we do. Sometimes I feel like it takes me a few times, just that osmosis of really getting these fundamental principles and and getting these lines straight. So Christian, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's just such a pleasure to talk with you and just a like-minded colleague without sounding remotely patronizing. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Well, you deserve to feel that pride because you were certainly a part of it. So thank you. (laughs) Awesome. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.